Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the King Gunas podcast with me, Omar Bashir and Suhail Hamada, not Ahmed. Suhail, hello. Hey, how are you guys doing? Uh, I am okay. I don't know how everybody else is doing, uh, but I am okay. How is it uh, in Canada? Well, the cold is uh, is reducing slowly, so we're, we're, we're heading towards the end, end of winter soon, hopefully. Uh-huh. But yeah, it's it's been good, you know, apart from the lockdown stuff. But other than that, it's been good. How is how is uh, the pandemic over there? Uh, it's not uh, it's not as bad as it was probably maybe two or three months ago, you'd say. Mm. But uh, you know, it's still not the best situation. But it's it's uh, it's improving. It's improving. You know. And now uh, the vaccines are starting to slowly get rolled out. Yeah. I think Canada have approved four versions of the vaccine. So, mm. so now they're starting to get rolled out. Yeah, well, hopefully um, with vaccines coming out all over the world, uh, hopefully we will sort of uh, approaching the light at the end of the tunnel, uh, shall we say. Hopefully. Yeah, but uh, let's on to football now. Um, Arsenal played the game yesterday. That's why we're here today. Uh, Olympiacos, round of 16, Europa League. Um, huge game uh, for Arsenal's season. Um, well, I'd just like to start with the lineups. Um, what did you think about the lineups, um, if at all? Uh, as a neutral, of course, um, what did you feel uh, when you saw that lineup uh, from a neutral point of view, uh, whether... Did we go strong? Did we mix it up? Uh, what was your view on it? I saw I saw you mixed it up a little bit. Uh, did notice William coming into the starting lineup. I I I did find that a bit weird, but of course he ended up kind of repaying the face the, with the assist that he gave up. Uh, but all in all, I thought it was a lineup for a Europa League game, although. I was uh, I was a little bit confused because consider considering that the Europa League is Arsenal's best bet to win a trophy this season, considering you've been eliminated from every other competition. Well, maybe that goes towards um, the game of the weekend, uh, North uh, North London derby. Maybe had his eye on that. Uh, I certainly felt that um, from an Arsenal point of view, it was sort of consistent with what uh, Mikel has been. Been, been putting out in terms of his team selections. The Willian substitution, it didn't, I mean, not substitution, the Willian selection didn't surprise me, but it annoyed me. Um, not in the sense that uh, I think Willian has been performing well over the last couple of games uh, in terms of his performance levels have certainly uh, gone up uh, a couple of levels. But I felt that, especially with the, uh, since the time of the year with the improved performance of, of Nicola Pepe, I felt it was, I feel that Pepe gives us more in attack 
than does William, but uh, obviously Mikel sees that differently. Yeah, definitely. I, I was I, I was actually I was actually expecting Patrick to start this game. Uh, maybe maybe he is saving him for the North London derby. Uh, who knows? Uh, we'll see. We'll see. Come come uh, come time uh, time to kick off in the North London derby. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I wouldn't hold my breath. I think <laughs> we've we've come to accustomed to to William playing a lot, and I think now that he's sitting a bit of form, I think Mikel will use this opportunity for. To give him as much game time as he needs, um, not that we will agree with it, but it's what was going to happen, what we feel is going to happen. So the game starts, I felt we we had a very good um, start of the game. Uh, we, we were controlling the tempo, Olympiacos couldn't get out really, um, their press wasn't working. So I felt that uh, whenever they did lose the ball, or when they when when they lost the ball high up the pitch in terms of uh, Olympiacos, we were it was easy for us to play out and we pinned them into their own half and I felt that they couldn't really get any grasp and hold of the game. At the moment, um, when I was watching it, I felt that okay, this is good, but we need to capitalize on it. Um, I've spoken before about uh, Arsenal's lack of um, ruthlessness in terms of taking. Um, Taking advantage, advantage of, yeah, taking advantage of the dominance that you have in the game, whether it's in terms of territory, possession, uh, chance creation, shot generation, whatever it is that it may be, and you need to take advantage of that. And I felt that, well, maybe we're not. And then uh, Odegaard goes and, and does what he did. I, I think the Odegaard signing is slowly starting to to bear some kind of fruit. Mm. I, I did, uh, when I first saw the signing, I did think it was going to be a tough ask for him to come, especially since he wasn't, he wasn't much of a starter in Madrid and for him to come to Arsenal and to kind of, uh, you know, be that difference maker, you know, and have that, have that kind of effect, especially mid-season. I did think it was going to be a tough, tough, uh, uh, a tough, a tough ask for for Odegaard, but I think he's slowly starting to settle into the Arsenal team, and we're we're slowly starting to see the qualities that that we know that he possesses. I I do think I do think if Arsenal want to extend his stay at, at the at the club, I. I do think it would be it would be a wise idea because I I think that you'd see more of what uh, Martin Odegaard is is made of, but I don't know if Arsenal are going to do that. Uh, it's certainly a position that we will be looking at at the summer. I think uh, Odegaard was a, a good solution in, uh, over the the John transfer window. Um, a young player keen to. Keen to kickstart his game again after um, sort of like a, um, um, I don't know a bad season at Madrid in terms of uh, his relationship with the manager there, and he felt that we felt that he's a, he's a player who was hungry to to perform and to be part of something. And for Arsenal's uh, point of view, it's a player that we needed in terms of 
having somebody to bring that a bit of creativity into midfield. Um, we started uh, having it with Smith Rowe, but I felt we needed to complement it. And I think it was a good signing all round. And um, he's slowly getting into the groove, as, as you say. And uh, I felt it was a fantastic goal. Um, he he has that, that bit of power, I feel, but he doesn't, he's, I feel that he's reluctant to shoot in most occasions. I feel that he, he would rather play the ball rather than hit the ball. And I feel in this particular situation, he made the absolute right call and, and it, it, it was a fantastic, fantastic goal. Yeah, I, I, uh, catching on your, on your point of he'd rather pass, play the ball or, uh, than hit the ball, I think it, it also has to do with his age. We have to remember he's only 20 years old. He's not, he's not, he's not a, full, a fully-fledged player, you know. Mm. He's still he's still got that uh, that development time to you know to really grow and become the player that uh, his his potential uh, his potential uh, uh, shows shows us that he can be. Now, I I do think of course he's gonna make a lot more mistakes going 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 down the line, you know. But I do think uh, as Especially, especially since he's a young player, I do, I, 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 I really do, uh, I would really preach patience with him. I would really preach patience with him because he's he still needs that time to fully develop into the player that you know that he he, he can be. You know. Yeah, absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. Um, so moving on from the goal, I feel that. Um, at that point, uh, I think uh, the script of the game was sort of uh, settled down. I think um, my personal feeling at the time was that, okay, we look pretty comfortable here um, and we shouldn't really have any problem with it. And going into halftime as well, I think anybody looking at it from, from any point of view, maybe apart from an Arsenal uh, point of view, would say, oh, Arsenal have been really good. They're in control. They've scored the goal. We'll probably go on and win this. But I think from an Arsenal fan's point of view, we're feeling, okay, we've scored, but we've been messing up a couple, the last couple of games. We need to score the second and the third to make sure that the game is completely in the bag. And it, it felt that way and, and t- exactly until uh, the mistake. Uh, whatever happened at the back uh, let in... Uh, the striker for Olympiacos and he scored the equalizer. And that point you're thinking, okay, here we go again. Uh, what, what are we going to do about this? You know, uh, I've watched I've watched Arsenal's games. Uh, I've watched a lot of Arsenal's games this season, and I do I I I, re, I, um, I do admire Arteta's persistence to play out from the back, but. Arsenal need to pick the pick their, their moments. They they really do need to pick their moments when they're playing out from the back. It cost it cost them a goal against Burnley. It cost them a goal against Olympiacos uh, 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 yesterday, and they really do need to start really picking their moments of how to play out from the back and when to play out from the back. Because yes, yeah, yes, you can uh, keeping the ball is is a good thing, but keeping the ball at that end of the field. You know, in time, in in times where when you don't need to, it it will really cost you, and 
it, it proved it, it, it uh, luckily for Arsenal they did go on to win the game yesterday but at that point in time they it, it, it proved like a costly mistake I think I think Mikel Arteta also spoke about it uh, in his presser before the game saying that we need to pick our moments when to play I think I absolutely agree with it that I think we as a team need to play out from the back I feel <clears throat> In terms of where we are, in terms of as a squad, it makes more sense for us to play from the back than to hoof it up our field. We, I'm in complete support of it, and I also understand that when you do play out of the back, especially when your team, when it's a team that is learning how to do that, you will um, expect a mistake or two from that situations. However, this the mistakes that we're seeing in this moment in time are sort of more self-inflicted than uh, part of the course, if, if you understand what I'm saying. That yeah, we, yeah, I get it. Yeah, we, 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 we sort of, we're playing into the, into, we're making it a problem rather than the problem being uh, itself there as, as an object that we can see and that can, we can identify. It's, it's something that we are creating. And I feel that's where the frustration comes. And people who um, might not be able to envision us doing and say, okay, don't do it, let's hoof up the wheel. But I think we're on the right trajectory in the right path in terms of this we're doing. I think we do it very well, better than, I think we're among the best in my opinion, although I don't watch a lot of other teams, admittedly. But I think we do play out of the back pretty well. I think it's just that the last couple of games has been a lack of concentration, I would, I feel, on where um, and how you, you make the pass and the decision that you need to make the pass. Uh, the last match, Leno, uh, Shaka got into criticism. Uh, yesterday it was Leno. So I feel that I think it's the right thing to do, but how you do it and when you do it is, as you said, the most important factor and, and, and will determine how successful it is. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. But all right, let's continue with the review of the game then. Um, one one, how are you feeling then? Well, at one one, I felt that um, I didn't feel I didn't feel um, tense in the sense that, okay, Olympiacos will really cause us problems here. I felt tense that, okay, we might make another mistake, if you know what I mean. It wasn't that Olympiacos are a problem, but that we are a problem. We need to sort ourselves out. And there was a bit of a shaky moment just after that equalizer. I think maybe five, 10 minutes after that equalizer, we looked a little bit shaky. And then you're thinking, okay, we need to sort of, then we settled down, we settled down, we started playing out. Uh, properly, we started dominating against in, in the midfield and in the final thirds. And from then on, you felt that okay, uh, we're back in control. Maybe if we can get we can uh, get the equalizer. And uh, I felt that from I think the last, I think maybe first couple of minutes uh, after the goal, I think we were tense. But uh, from there, I felt that uh, we were in control, and 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 um, as the game went on, uh, it was it was clear to see why. 
Iya. Uh, yeah, I, I I never I never really thought Arsenal were in danger of uh, of throwing away the game. I think I, I think you always I, I always felt from the word go Arsenal were always going to win this game. They weren't really going to there there wasn't really that much of a threat to indicate that uh, to indicate otherwise uh, I, I thought Arsenal were completely they 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 completely controlled the game and had they had they lost the game that would have entire that would have entirely been uh, self inflicted yeah absolutely agree and i think that that's been the story of this year in particular 2021 arsenal i think in most games really have been really good and been really uh, dominant over the the opposition is that we we make mistakes sometimes really early mistakes that we can't uh, rectify i'm thinking some of them in the premier league uh, aston villa some of those games um, burnley of course and then um so I felt that maybe that could go in this direction in terms of the Olympiacos game, but I think we rallied and, and we, we we produced towards the end. Um, the third, the second goal, sorry. Um, I'm just having another look at it now. Um, anybody who knows me knows that I played in defense. And so for Gabriel to score a goal like that is... That's a fantastic header. It really it is. It, it, it was it was very good header. I mean, he gets he gets the loop on it. It's the power, the run, the vision, the 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 strength, everything about that. I mean, any defender would love to score a goal like that. That's an absolute fantastic goal. I'm just looking at it again. Oh, brilliant goal, brilliant goal, and an important one as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. To uh, not only to regain the lead, but to also have that second second away goal that 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 was crucial. That, that was absolutely crucial. Yeah, yeah, I felt, and he he was having a good game. I think he's been a bit shaky since he got the COVID nineteen. He's come back. Yeah. He's really, um, you know, gotten back to to where he was before that, and I feel that uh, he had a good game today, and a big game, and an important game, and a huge, huge goal. Uh, at the time, you felt okay, two one. We've got two away goals. We're in the lead. Uh, it should be comfortable. The third one really was is, uh, <laughs> was um, was a bit of a surprise because it came from a very unlikely source. Uh, it was a brilliant hit as well, uh, swerving. Just at the right moment, I think you saw him when he was coming forward. Uh, El Neni, he's he's driving, uh-huh. he's driving, and the players are backing off. They're backing off. It's like, okay, go on, shoot, and he did shoot, and it ended up at the back of the net. Was it his first goal in how many years? No, he actually scored um, in the group stage. Oh, he did. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant yeah. goal yeah, as well. I, I, I remember. I remember yeah. now. I remember, yes. He scored, I think he scored like four goals for oh. Arsenal and like three of them have been outside the box. So, um, I don't know. Maybe he's good at knack for it. I don't know. Maybe he should shoot often. Uh, but uh, what, what he can't say for sure is that uh, against Olympiacos, it was a really, really good goal. An important goal. And it's sort of gave the um, I feel it gave the right 
scoreline to how the game was. I think I think Olympiacos benefited from a mistake, but I think Arsenal were the dominant team throughout the 90 minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think all, all in all, it was a fair result uh, and a very good result for Arsenal, you know, to have a 3-1 lead going going into the home leg. Mm. Uh, yeah, all in all, I don't think Arsenal can complain too much about about last night's uh, last night's game. Yeah, three one comfortable win. Uh, now it's all over to the weekend. Spurs, the big one. Um, Tottenham, I think, also won. If I'm not wrong, I don't really yeah, follow. Yeah, they 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 won by a goal to nil against the against the Zagreb. I'm just checking out. It was 2-0. Um, oh, 2 Yeah. Um, both goals by Harry Kane. So, oh, they've been scoring. Uh, they've been hitting a bit of a purple patch uh, Tottenham over the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I'm not sure. Uh, so, probably not uh, one of the best times to face them. But, um, you know, it's, it's a North London derby. So, either way, it's going to be a really, really tough game. Of course, I, I feel, I feel Tottenham over the last few years they've been they've been kind of showing up for this game. Mm. They've they've been performing well during the North London derby, and I do think it's going to be a tough game for Arsenal. Uh, I I really do think it's going to be a tough game for Arsenal, but I don't see much to separate the two teams. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I wouldn't agree with you in terms of showing up. I think what I would say is that they've gone into these games with a plan. I've never gone into a Tottenham game where I felt like, I've never like after a North London derby and say like, Tottenham played really well. Like we're miles off them. I've never felt that. I think, I think what they've done uh, especially the last couple of years, is made the games more competitive. Um, huh. Because if you if you if you actually think about it, they haven't won at the Emirates for ten years. Yeah. So like, um, the more all their wins against us against us have come at White Hart Lane. You know, Arsenal have had issues uh, traveling away from home. Um, uh, last season, I think uh, the last which game was this one? There was a mistake in there, but Tottenham really. Uh, I think it was very early in there. Mikel Arteta reigned, so and Mourinho, of course, being the experienced coach he was, uh, just managed that situation and and got the win. I felt uh, Arteta played into his hands. Uh, the one this season, um, I'm trying to remember. We have played them. Ah, yeah. Um, I mean, they score a wonder goal from Son and then the counter-attack, Thomas Partey is off the pitch. So I don't want to be, you know, sour grapes here, but, you know, I think what I can say that they've capitalized on situations. I think we can give them credit for that, but I don't feel as though they have been, you know, dominant in these games. I feel it's been, I think if anything, they've been really close. They've been really close in in periods uh, where, especially, I think Arsenal have been. I think uh, it's fair to say they've been poor over the last couple of years, and and uh, this is sort of like a, a high point in Tottenham's uh, 
Tottenham's history in terms of their performances and their league finishes and what they're trying to do in terms of as a club. So I feel that they've, they've bridged the gap in terms of quality, I think for sure. And the games are more competitive. But I feel that um, the, 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 the upturn in form of, of the forwards is a problem for Arsenal. Uh, mm-hmm. I think uh, that will be, because even on any other day, uh, they are a problem for anybody. And I think when they're on form, I think it's even more of a problem. Um, yeah, and I think, especially with, uh, what's his name, Bale slowly starting to find mm. himself in yeah. this Tottenham team. It's it deems it deems a new a new kind of uh, a new kind of headache for for Arteta to deal with. Come. Yeah, he was he was speaking about it this morning, saying um, they are, they are they, it's, it's a very interesting team, Tottenham, actually, because the forward players create for themselves. They don't really have a creative force behind them, so all the creation comes from they themselves, from Bale, from Son, and from Harry Kane. So um, you can like sort of have eight, seven players behind the ball, and then you just leave the three guys up front to do their own thing. And more often than not, it works. And especially when they're on form, it definitely works. So I think uh, Mikel Arteta will have to think about that, how he manage that situation. Um, Will Tottenham press? Will they sit deep? Because I feel, um, I think if if it was a couple of weeks ago, I think Tottenham don't press. I think they let us have the ball because we had issues yeah. with the low block. But I think yeah. uh, seeing the last couple of games, uh, Mourinho might be tempted, okay, let's try and press them. So it, it's, it's, it's really interesting in terms of uh, how tactically the, the two coaches will go about it. But Certainly, I think it'll be a very intense game, very close game. Will I think will be determined by the finest, finest of margins. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm, I'm actually going to go with a one-all draw for that game. I don't think, I don't think there's going to be much to separate the two teams. As I, as I mentioned, I think it's going to be, it's going to be a very tight game. I. <laughs> Having uh, uh, having supported United and having seen Mourinho, uh, I I do know one thing is for sure: uh, Jose never changes for the big games. He never changes for any team. His his plan always remains the same. He will he will always look for solid uh, uh, for solidity first uh, before anything else. He he'll always want his team to be compact, his team to be tight, and I think every every big game that I watched Tottenham this season, it's been the same case. They when they when their plan does come to does, does come together, they do hit teams on the counter counter attack, and. Yeah, I don't think Jose. I, I don't think uh, Jose Mourinho is going. Is going anywhere away from that that kind of plan soon? I think Jose is going to he's, he's going to he's going to persist with his uh, with his old methods. Yeah, well, we'll see how that happens. Uh, games on Sunday. Um, Tottenham are eight points uh, clear of Arsenal. The same amount of games played. So I think uh, for Arsenal, I don't know. Um, 
there's sort of a split in the Arsenal camp in terms of fans where, um, and uh, me and Ahmed have been on both on different sides. Uh, I feel that certainly the league was over because of what happened in uh, October and November, that period when we had a very, very bad um, run of games. I felt that our season at that point in terms of whatever we could do and achieve in the league sort of died in that period. And now the, the league is sort of like a, a by the way, although you do play it every week, uh, you want mm-hmm. to win games. Uh, but I feel that there's really not much you can achieve in the Premier League at this point in time. So I feel especially after that, especially after that run of games, and with the teams that are above you. Yes, yes, those two things I think are the huge factors. You you can't you can't have that many mistakes, and then uh, finish in the top six or four. I think it's it's really really difficult, now impossible. So I feel that. Uh, for me, certainly all the eggs in the Europa League basket. Uh, in terms of league, uh, the league, I want to see performances, thing to maintain, because if you play well in the Premier League, you play well in the Europa League. So I think for me, that's where the Premier League is important. To win the games, to gain momentum, to gain confidence. That for me is the, the important thing. And then, you know, uh, whatever happens will happen in the league. But... The, the priority, of course, is uh, Europa League, and uh, that's for me is a more clearer path uh, towards uh, towards Champions League football, and of course, most importantly, a trophy. Definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, it wouldn't make sense going going all out in the league where there's probably nothing to play for mm. uh, for Arsenal at this point in time. I, I. I can definitely rule top four out for Arsenal. For uh, in in my opinion, it's it, it's it, it it would take it would take a, a certain hill Mary to uh, to to achieve that to achieve the top four. Mm. Top six maybe maybe, but uh, it would require that it would require that the teams above Arsenal have. Some drastic drop in form, which is difficult because there's so many. Um, we're talking yeah. about Aston Villa, Liverpool, Everton, West Ham. There's so many teams. Uh, exactly. So it, it would require. Um, it, it would require all those teams to to dip, like their their performances to just dip and their results to dip completely. Or or if game. we we win the next game, all the games within the season, which of course we can. I don't see us doing. Uh, you're gonna go on a sort of run like what Man City because when Man City uh, started their run, they were 13th, I think, or 11th. I don't know. They went on a 20 game run. Now they're 14 points clear at the top of the table. So they were the ones at the time when they started that run. Yeah. So I mean uh, that exact that explains you have to go on or you have to go on such a run. You know, not unbeaten run, but a winning run of yeah. 20 plus games. So that's uh, I mean for a Man City team as good as they are, um, for them to do that. Is it is in itself incredible? I think it's it's very difficult to ask the same of an Arsenal team, very much in a in a in a in a rebuild in terms of where they are in terms of squad progression. Yeah, yeah exactly. I mean, uh, all eggs should be in the Europa League basket. I I should think Mikel Arteta should have seen that by now. But yeah, I mean, as I said, in terms of the league, I'd say. At most, maybe an eighth place, fin- uh, an eighth pl- uh, place finish, 
this season for Arsenal. Mm. Anyway, uh, I think let's stop there for part one. Uh, we'll go back to part two where we will discuss uh, generally where we are with the Premier League and uh, and uh, predictions for the weekend. So, uh, unless there's something else you want to add, so here. Uh, no, no. Okay then, uh, we will be back to you with part two right after this. Welcome back to part two of the Kenya Gunners podcast. You can follow us on our various social media sites at on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, and Facebook. Also follow us on uh, so on uh, Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Yes, Apple Podcasts. I don't know. Um, it's it's eleven fifteen p.m. here. I am really exhausted from work, so it's not as smooth as it usually is. So anyway, um, we've got a lot packed in for part two, and I really want to go through this really quickly. Um, I'll just start with a question. Um, because uh, we wanted to talk about how the league position, uh, the league positions various, team, various teams and, and predict uh, who will finish where. And uh, just to start with your team, uh, Manchester United, I have a question yeah. from uh, Daniel Minu on the Discord. He tells me, what is your personal opinion about our defensive woes and how can Manchester United transition back into a football powerhouse? In terms of, in terms of the, our defensive liabilities, you know what? I, we, we all saw this coming. As United fans, we all saw this coming because we, we didn't have... We didn't have a centre-back partner who, who complemented Harry Maguire uh, as, the way, as, the way that he, as the way that he should. Lindelof, everyone knows I'm a very huge Victor Lindelof fan, but he's not that, he's not that kind of defender to complement Harry Maguire. Now, in terms of what we need to do, of course, we need to get a new centre-back. But on top of a new centre back, I've I've been saying this since the beginning of the 1920 summer that we need a new CDM. We desperately need that because we are missing we're missing that in the double pivot that or that Oli is playing. I think Oli, by all accounts, is doing the very best that he can with the with with the options that he has in in, in the defensive in, in, in the defensive roles you know i think he is actually doing the very best that he can with the with the tools that he has so do you think that um in defensive you said the uh, maguire needs a, a new partner what sort of defender would would you put uh, or would you partner maguire with a quick one a quick ball playing defender because what what uh, what Harry Maguire and Victor Lindelof both provide are very similar attributes you know uh, both of them very good on the ball both of them very good readers of the game but when they come up against teams that have that uh, like 
that that spark that 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 pace uh, in their forward line, it kind of it kind of flutters a little bit, you know. That it, it kind it kind of brings it, it kind of brings uh, and shakes up shakes up that weakness a little bit. And I do also think that in terms of the goalkeeping options, I do think that the hair has not been commanding enough with with his defenders with his uh, when he's in the box when the balls are coming into the box so i do think we do need to kind of bring in dean henderson slowly to to be that number one goalkeeper because personally i do feel henderson is a more commanding goalkeeper i i feel like he would pr- provide a lot more confidence towards uh, to the defense mm. well okay um i think uh you are certainly more closer to what you want to achieving uh, than when you were a couple of weeks ago sorry a couple of years ago rather um, oh, def- def- definitely with the where in terms of the squad that uh, Oli is building mm. uh, he's he has made great progress so far mm. i do th- but like i said there there needs to be that uh, i, I as I said, a new centre back and a and a new and a new uh, central defensive midfielder is needed, mm. and a new right right sided midfielder, because if anyone watches United's game and just pays the least bit of attention, that notice that every most of most of most of our attacking threats comes from the left hand side, barely any of it comes from the right hand side. And that is because we're missing a right winger. We're missing creating that in that position. Well, um, certainly, sort of issues. Uh, a lot of issues for for Ole Gunnar Solskjaer, and of course, um, with the new structure at Manchester United, hopefully, these situations can be resolved. Uh, maybe just uh, a, maybe you can just do a quick explanation for the Man United fans who are listening. Uh, the changes that are in, in terms of executive level, uh, I saw that you guys made a couple of appointments on uh, executive yes. level. So maybe you can yeah. just explain the roles to guys, uh, uh, how that goes. I would also like to know. Okay, so so what we had before was uh, uh, Ed Woodward was in charge of everything, every single thing to do with uh, both with the football and the commercial side. But these changes now is... James Martel and Darren Fletcher are now in charge of the 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 recruit the, the recruit recruiting side of things you know with mm. they they deal with the football football side of things James Martel acting almost as a as a director of football and Darren Fletcher as his assistant so what this brings is now footballing people actually making footballing decisions you know, and I do think this would be a very. I do think this is a good appointment, especially the timing of it is is very good considering there's still a few months left towards the start of the transfer window, because our business in the transfer window has been quite slow, and I think it's because we didn't have footballing people making those footballing decisions. Mm. So with Morto and uh, and uh, Fletcher, I think that that could mass- massively improve and to give uh, insight to James Murtaugh's uh, history his background yes I know most people will see that he was a sports scientist first at, uh, at Everton but 
they should know that he was actually here when he came to Manchester United, he was head of uh, uh, the academy development. And we've seen how much that has has been fruitful over the over the last few years, especially with the talents that that have come through in terms of Hannibal, uh, Hannibal Mabry and uh, the likes of Shoretire. So he, he was actually in charge of that. You know, okay. And where does that leave Ole in all this? Where does he feature in this, this new structure at Manchester United? Well, uh, Ole would uh, go directly to uh, Myrtle and Fletcher to to explain it uh, to to like mention his targets uh, based on the scouting reports that that the scouts would would deliver and. He would he uh, now he would give the list list of options of the targets that he would he would want it come come the uh, come during the transfer window, and then Murta and Fletcher are the ones to to you know uh, try and bring in those targets for the manager. Okay, uh, well, um, hopefully that works out for Manchester United. They've been trying to fill those positions quite a while. Uh, let's see how it will go. Um, back to the league table. Uh, Manchester City, of course, top uh, with 68 points, 14 clear of the next best team, which is Manchester United. Uh, with having played a game more, uh, I have to say that. But I think uh, Manchester City deserving of their, of their lead as of, as of now? Of course. Of course. I mean, I think they've been, they've been a class above, especially since... Uh, since they started that that winning run, they've been an uh, they've been a class above every other team in the league, and above many teams in Europe as well. So they've been deserving. Uh, they deserve this league title. I think uh, nobody can have any arguments against them winning the league. I think we all know that they deserve to win the league. I think as well, what's important and something that I've noticed is that um, especially with the, the congested fixture situations that we have currently in, in the footballing world, they've taken to, I think, uh, what, what people have noticed uh, about Manchester City this time around is that their defensive um, strength has really been a highlight of, of what they've been able to achieve in terms of their performances and their results. I think they've been very good in in, uh, in terms of their defensive structure, and I think that in tune goes down to their their, their style of play, which is possession based. They base uh, they base their attack and their defense on possession, and I feel no matter how good you are, it's very difficult for you to to attack a Manchester City team because they have so much of the ball. And when you have when you when they when they lose the ball, it's it's an instant five second press, and then you know more often than not they will retain possession, regain possession rather, and and the cycle continues. So I feel um, I don't know if if uh, because I'm looking at the next next couple of years in terms of football footballing wise, the footballing calendar. Things don't get easier. We've got uh, a summer competition coming up, and then we've got next year. I think it's next year we'll have yeah. um, the World Cup in the middle of the tra- middle of the of the season. So it will still continue be, to be congested, and maybe football will be moving towards that sort of 
uh, framework in terms of defending, because I feel that we, we it, it, it's, it's, I mean, if you look at Manchester City statistics this season, they're running less. They're running yeah. less, but they're defending better because they have the ball more and they're, they're more fitter because uh, they're, they're not exerting themselves physically as much as they would in a normal season. So I feel maybe we'll see more teams gravitating towards that. I don't know. We'll just have I, to... But what but we can in, say terms of the, in terms of the exerting themselves and them looking very fresh, I can, I, I'd say them having probably the deepest squad in the league and also one of the yeah. deepest squads in Europe. That that that, that goes on to help and in that quality goes as well. A whole lot, yeah, exactly. The quality, the not just the depth of the team, but the quality in depth of yeah. the team that goes on to help a whole lot. Yeah. And in terms of their defensive solidarity, like the the defensive solidity. Why do I keep on saying solidarity today? <laughs> the defensive solidity uh, that has in part been contributed by the signing of Ruben Diaz. I think he has been the signing of the season uh, this season. And he really he really has helped transform them, uh, that city defence. Because, I mean, I'd, I'd take you back to September before they signed Ruben Diaz. And City looked like they were in sixes and sevens at the back. They yeah. didn't look like they, they, they had any kind of compactness they look like they they look like they would concede anytime a team comes at them but ds has definitely helped in that situation yeah he's been he's been absolutely essential for them uh john stones as well uh, has uh, had an uptick in form yeah to actually share minutes with laporte who i feel i think i'm a really huge fan of uh, america laporte yeah, one of my my favorite players actually um, for him to get him out of the team where I feel that he was one of the, certainly one of the best defenders in the league, if not in Europe uh, for him, for John Stones to, to produce the sort of results and performances, I think is, is credit to him as well. Yeah, so, it is. City United uh, in that title con- conversation, Leicester in third, Chelsea fourth, um, Let's look. Let's look at the race for top four. So we've got uh, Leicester at fifty-three points, Chelsea fifty, West Ham forty-eight, and then I don't know. I, I think it's. Be- I think those three. I think it's fair enough to say. I think uh, the next person is Everton with forty-six, which is. Uh, but Everton have a game in hand, don't they? Yes, they do have a game in hand. So do West Ham. So I mean, you could put them in the conversation uh, as well. But I feel that uh, Leicester, Chelsea and West Ham do have the form over Everton. And I feel that's why they're above them in the league. Um, Leicester have... The worry have... for Leicester... The, the, what I would worry for Leicester, though, is the amount of injuries that they have. And not, not just the injuries, but the players who are injured. Yeah. That is where I would worry for Leicester because they've got James Madison injured. Uh, that 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 is a big blow. They have got James Justin injured as well. Now, the those two have been two of their very best players this season. Yeah, but I feel that they've shot themselves in the foot there. I mean, we played them recently uh, a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if it's last week. <laughs> it seems like a couple of weeks ago. <laughs> they um, they played. 
They had Europa League as well. No, it was, I think it was a couple of weeks ago. I think two weeks ago. They played Europa League and the sort of more or less the same team played again on Sunday. So, I mean, you're, you're really shooting yourself in the foot. I think that I mean, contributes with the, with, the, with the quality that they had in the team. I don't think there is. There is they have the freedom to switch up as much as the other teams in, in, in that, in that yeah, race but, do. Okay. You know, the, um, the Chelsea, the Cities, the United. I agree with you. I, I certainly agree. They didn't have the quality in depth. But what I can say is that at this point in time, there's a case to argue that a fitter player who may not be as good is is more valuable than a player who's good but is not as fit. In this, but especially where if you can get somebody who can run for 90 minutes, that's more valuable for you in this particular climate. I mean, it's 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 arguable. I feel mm. because I feel when we went into the game, we put in the okay, we changed in the players. Okay, we had William come in, we had um, Pepe come in. These are players who are not in form. Uh, but mm-hmm. they're still good players, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But they were fitter. They had uh, the advantage over Leicester on that. I think that's probably the only advantage they had over them in that particular moment in time. And from that game, they were able to build up their confidence. And we're seeing William now sort of performing to levels uh, that we'd least expect from him. Uh, Pepe, of course, uh, continuing on his good run on form. So I feel that I'm not saying rest all your good players, but just manage that situation uh, more. I yeah. feel that Brendan Rodgers, I, I mean, it would be easy for them to say, okay, fine, uh, they have a small squad, which is true, but I feel that Brendan Rodgers should have done much more in terms of uh, his squad management. And maybe uh, we'll see how it will pay for them in the end, but I think for me, that's the breaking point. Yeah. But I, I, but yeah, I, I still think they do. They should have enough, you know, to get over the line. Compared to last season, probably last season should be a lesson as to not letting their standards drop. But I do think uh, they should have enough, especially since the only other competition they are in is, is the FA Cup. Mm. Uh, which we play them in a couple in, in I think the following Sunday. Mm. Uh, yeah, but I think they should have enough. They should have enough, uh, unless unless they start losing games and West Ham come and you know start uh, uh, West Ham continue the impressive form. Mm. They've been really good, actually. Uh, very impressed with them. They've been able to achieve this season. I think they've sort of uh, taken advantage. I feel of the of the, of the fix. I think I don't know. I, 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 what I can say, they are playing well, and um, they are they're doing they def- well. They definitely are playing well, and the thing that that you that you will you will be guaranteed to see with this West Ham team this season is that. They're very solid. They're very solid. Mm. They they keep they keep their shape, and it's not it's not very often you'd see a team break them down. You know they keep their shape, and they have players who can whip and whip whip the ball in. 
I've got Michael Antonio who who's transformed himself into a poacher. Uh, you've got uh, Jesse Lingard who's you know re regained his confidence, which is which for me personally is a is a very very good thing to see. I I, I absolutely have a love a lot of love for Jesse Lingard, and I'm so happy that he has you know regained his confidence. And then you've got the, the the midfield too, the you know the pivot of Declan Rice and Thomas uh, Suchak, who who are doing. Declan Rice has had a really good season, though. I think he's, he's had. Every time I've watched every, him, he's looked fantastic. Every one of those West Ham players this season, what whatever position they finish in, they can hold their they, they can hold their heads up high, and they can say, "We performed to the very best of our abilities, and we gave." We gave absolutely everything to this. We gave absolutely everything to this season. Mm. I don't think a single West Ham fan would 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 say anything different. Mm. Chelsea, which is an interesting team to discuss, I feel. I mean, they're currently fourth, of course, in a Champions League position. Um, they won the first first leg yeah. against Atletico Madrid in the Champions League. Um, I don't know. Are they in? Are they in any cup? Are they in the FA Cup? Uh, yes, yes, they are in the FA Cup. Yeah. So I they mean, are in the... I mean, for all the doom and gloom that happened before Frank was sacked, I mean, things are looking pretty okay for Chelsea. Actually, if you think about it, uh, Tuchel, of course, still unbeaten um, as a Chelsea manager. I have to be honest, and I can I cannot tell you the last Chelsea game I watched. Probably when they played Arsenal, so I am probably the last person to be talking about I've Chelsea. Watched, so, I've watched a few Chelsea games. Hmm. I think I watched I was ninety percent of the of the Chelsea games that uh, since to uh, since Tuchel has been in charge. Hmm. Uh, it's been it's been a very interesting watch, you know. Chelsea, Chelsea are um, they they're still unbeaten. I tweeted I, I tweeted this a few weeks back, and I still stand by it. Thomas to Thomas Tuchel's Chelsea reminds me of uh, of United under Louis Van Gaal. Mm. They re, they resemble a lot of that 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 United team under Louis Van Gaal. That Chelsea team, there's a lot of similarities, a whole lot of similarities, and I don't know whether whether that sh- that would be a good thing or a bad thing because the difference between this this two health uh, Chelsea and Van Gaal's uh, United, I would say the difference is that Tuchel has uh, more attacking options mm. compared to compared to uh, Louis Van Gaal. I do think Tuchel has a lot of attacking options. He has, he has more creative options. But the 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 thing that would, if I was a Chelsea fan, the thing that I would be fearful of is once teams learn how to play against, uh, once teams learn how to play against us, because mm-hmm. Chelsea keep Ch- Chelsea keep a lot of possession without creating any real chances for a long for, for long periods in games they under under Thomas uh, under Thomas Tuchel they go for long periods in games 
where they will keep the ball, but they will not create any real chances, any clear-cut chances that you'd say, oh, he should have scored there or he should have scored there. I, I, I think I can count the amount of big, uh, big chances they, they could create in certain, in certain positions. I think even the, when they beat Liverpool, they needed Mason Mount to you know, run across and finish it on his own. So that, that's the only part that I would fear for, for Tuchel's Chelsea. The part that I would, the part that I would put in a lot of confidence in, uh, if I was a Chelsea fan, is that the defense wouldn't isn't that likely to be breached now because they keep a lot of the ball. If you look at them, they have they most of their games that have seventy percent possession, sixty something percent possession. You know, quite quite a lot of the possession would be with Chelsea. So that it's gonna be it's gonna be very interesting, but you know, credit to Tuchel, he's kind of he's he's studied the boat at Chelsea, he's studied the boat, and it's gonna be very interesting to see where they end up in the Champions League, where they end up in the FA Cup, and whether uh, you know they can keep this up and and finish inside that top four in the in the league. I do think I do think that he has enough to finish inside the top four. I don't think he should have any excuses to not finish inside the top four, but it's going, it's going to be interesting to see over the next 10 games. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Um, moving on swiftly, I'd like to go to the relegation battle uh, just to skip the whole middle part of the Premier League table. I feel that from um, I'd say from Crystal Palace, who are in 13th, uh, on 34 points mm-hmm. who are I think is it 12 no um, 8 points ahead of uh, Fulham mm-hmm. I think from Crystal Palace downwards I think all of these guys are in a relegation battle so we're talking Crystal Palace, Southampton Burnley, Newcastle Brighton, Fulham, West Brom and Sheffield Um Sheffield, I think we are going to go down. I think uh, there's um, news emerging that uh, Chris Wilder might leave. Uh, uh, he did step down. He stepped down. Yeah, he has uh, stepped down. So yeah. um, that's that, I guess. Um, I think whoever is going to come in will be looking more into next season in terms of the championship, how they can yeah. probably uh, I... get back into the, in the Premier League. Uh, I think they're... Their story, I think, has already been told here. Yeah, the I think the 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 nail the, the nail has already been placed in the coffin for Sheffield. Uh, they are definitely going into the championship. Mm. I think I think the same can be can be said for West Brom. I don't see I don't see a lot of I, I don't see too much of a chance for West Brom to uh, to get all of that relegation scrap. I do see a lot of hope for Fulham because I've been very impressed whenever I watched uh, whenever I watched Fulham this season, especially since the November period. From November, Fulham have been have kind of transformed themselves, and I really do. I, I really did wish that their owners would have invested in a proper number nine in the winter transfer window because I felt that they needed one. 
to 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 score them to score them goals because the chances were there. The chances that that they create, I, they don't have a problem in creating. What they had a problem was in finishing, and I really did wish that the owners the owners could have invested in a, in a new number nine. But I understand in January is very difficult, especially for a relegation threatening team. Uh, it's a very it's a very difficult it's a very difficult ask. But in my opinion, I do think Fulham would survive. I don't I don't have a lot of confidence in Newcastle though. I really don't do not have a lot of confidence in Newcastle. I think I think Newcastle will get will will drop into that relegation zone come uh, come the last last few games of the season. Well, uh, Newcastle actually are one point ahead of Fulham, but uh, of course Fulham have played a game more. Uh, but I can agree with you in, in terms of what I think Newcastle's form has been suspect. I think since I think late November, they've only won uh, one game in their last six. They've lost three of them. It's it's not really looking good for them. He's trying to find solutions uh, for the team. I think uh, people have sort of figured out what Newcastle are about, and mm. they're getting problems now in terms of scoring goals. But I think which most teams in relegation battles have those problems, scoring goals. And they're really struggling for that. Um, despite, I think, they invested very well. I think Callum Wilson is a very good striker. I think it's I, uh, enough chances for him, which I don't think they have. Yeah, I, the problem with Newcastle is, as, uh, uh, Newcastle, their problem is a team as a whole. I don't think they have any actual wingers. I think they only have one of those. So that 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 lies a problem. And um, yeah, I think Newcastle. New, I, I do believe Newcastle. I, I, I do believe either one of Newcastle or Brighton because Brighton. Brighton play very attractive football. Oh, it's. It's the strangest things I've ever seen. The problem is they will they will create probably seven, eight chances in a game it's, it's they a, cannot finish. It's they an anomaly. It's an anomaly because the statistics cannot explain. And I don't think anybody can explain what's happening at Brighton. Uh, Guys I, probably should be tenth or ninth. I mean they, at the very least, because I've been trying to scratch my head around Brighton this season and it's just it makes no sense to me. It's like, why can't you guys score? You like, it's not like you're not creating chances. You're creating more than enough chances. You create more chances than some of the big teams. The, it just when when it comes to finishing, finishing, it's like they 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 just it, it's almost like they freeze. I just don't know what's going on there. Um... It's really strange. Well, they're 17th. Um, same amount of points as Fulham. Fulham, of course, have played the game more. So that's really tight there. Mm. Moving up ahead, we've got Burnley, Southampton, Crystal Palace, who are not really safe, but they don't have I, enough points to, 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 to uh, eliminate themselves from, from, the, from this. Um, from this yeah, but I don't, I don't think those, two, those three teams are, are in any sort of danger. At any any time, any time soon, I think I think they're safe. 
I don't think they need to they need to panic. Uh, I think just pick up a few points as as the as the games go along, and they they should be safe. I don't I don't see much of a bar bar an almighty miracle. I don't think uh, those teams should be too worried about where they're going to finish. Mm, uh, which uh, moves us uh, into the middle zone of the table. Um, I'll, I'll start with the, the topish half of the middle of the table. We've got Everton at 46 points, Spurs on 45, Liverpool on 43, Villa on 40. Um, six points between the, those four teams. Um, I think Liverpool are the ones who played 28 games. Aston Villa have two games in hand. So if they win those, they're up to sixth. Uh, it's really interesting. It's really interesting. Um, I think it's it's a mixture of, of teams. I think Everton have played better than they have over the last couple of years, I think. Spurs mm-hmm. um, have had a resurgence. They've put a couple of wins together and they've moved up the table a little bit. Liverpool, I think that's where the discussion is. They've been absolutely shocking. Um, I think five wins in a row. Actually. They haven't won. They haven't won a home game since December. Yeah, it? five wins, five losses. Sorry, at Anfield. That's the first time it's ever happened in their history. So that's a record uh, nobody wants to mention. Uh, they're on. Rec- they're on uh, course to be one of the. No, they're on course to be the worst title defenders in the history of the Premier League. I think the worst, the only ones who are worse than them is uh, Leicester. Leicester. I don't know who, how many Leicester finished off. I don't know. I have to check the sticks. I probably should have done that before the podcast. But I think I know they're in record to be, I think they're certainly the the worst title uh, um, defenders out of the top six. I mean, it's been really, really shocking. I actually predicted this uh, about Liverpool because they've been going full tilt for three years now. And um, any great team uh, normally give it three years and it just, unless you refresh it, it sort of collapses. Uh, And we've sort of seen that somewhere here. He did, to be fair to Klopp, he did try to refresh it. He brought in uh, uh, Thiago Alcantara, a player who I absolutely love. Um, he brought in Diogo Jota, and he's been unfortunate in terms of uh, the injuries. Yeah, he's, 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 he's got key a defenders. lot of injuries to a lot of key players. Yeah, Thiago really hasn't kicked on. Um, uh, so I think, and uh, people are starting to find out that uh, front three. That's trying to starting to figure out how to to manage them, and I think. Those and a culmination of things has sort of led Liverpool to the position that they're in. I mean, they are. I mean, they are five points better off than Arsenal, and Arsenal have a game in hand over them. I mean, that. I mean, Arsenal have had a. Don't Arsenal play Liverpool in a couple of weeks' time? Yes, they do. So that should be interesting. Uh, so, I mean, that in itself explains everything because I feel that Arsenal had a really bad season. They're in 10th on 38 points, Liverpool on 43 points, and Liverpool have played a game more, and Liverpool come to the Emirates. So, 
it's been really bad. Considering I think Liverpool, I don't know how many points they finished above Arsenal. <sighs> Quite a few. <laughs> I think it's easy to say. Um, I mean, for it to be at this point in time, only a year after is is really shocking. So I think uh, for people who do not like Liverpool, I think this is a really, really nice moment for you. But I think for the Liverpool fans, I think a lot of head scratching. Uh, probably a time for a rebuild. Is Klopp going to be there for that during the summer? I don't know. Uh, certainly interesting times at Anfield. Uh, I think Klopp is going to be there during the summer. I think he's going to be there for at least one more season. Uh, but it's really been an interesting watch at Liverpool. It's gonna be it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see what they do, especially this summer. Uh, what they do to 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 you know progress, because I definitely think they need they 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 need those injections inject injection of life mm. into that team. They need it desperately. They need a new centre back. They do need a new creative midfielder. They do need uh, an out and out number nine. Yeah, I'm sorry, boy, really. So, um, I think just to wind up, I will just um, quick fire. All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Give you the fixtures that we have and you give up the predictions. So, there's actually a game that's going on now. So, uh, it's Newcastle and Villa, right? Yeah, how much? What's the score? It's nil nil, huh? Half time. Yeah, six Okay, so how Newcastle and Villa, how do you think it will finish? I think Villa will win. Uh mm. 2-1. 2-1. One. One. Okay. Uh we got Leeds United Chelsea. I think it's gonna be a one all draw. Mm, interesting. Uh funny if we didn't talk about Leeds, who so I think 11th or 12th. Uh, them and last with them, them and Wolves have been sort of symptomatic of, of how they performed this year to be sort of in that position. So I think one one is Expected. I mean, wouldn't be surprised to anybody. Crystal Palace was wrong. Uh, no, no. I think it's going to be a poor first. <laughs> Some other dice for ladies and gentlemen. Everton versus Burnley. Everton, Burnley, 2-0 uh, Everton. Mm. Fulham City. 2-1 uh, City. Ooh, 2-1. You fancy Fulham getting a goal? Yes, yes, I do. I think with with their with the way they play, I do think they have a goal in them. Mm-hmm. And they're home as well. Uh Southampton yeah. Brighton to start off Sunday. Southampton Brighton, it should be a one-all draw. Uh Leicester Sheffield. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Uh 3-1 Leicester. Three one, uh, Arsenal Tottenham. One one. Oh, you know my views on that. Manchester United West Ham. I think we're gonna we're gonna edge it one nil. One nil. That's a tight one though, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't see much of a game against West Ham. I think it's gonna be a very tight game. Uh, finally, to cap off on Monday, we've got Wolves and Liverpool. Wolves Liverpool, I think it's gonna. I'm gonna go for Wolves. I'm gonna go for two one Wolves. 
I think Liverpool win. I don't know. I think they'll. I don't know. We'll see. What I can say will be interesting. Uh, we've got an interesting set of fixtures, really good ones. Um, eyes on, of course, uh, the West Ham versus United game. Wolves Liverpool is interesting as well. Um, Fulham Man City is a good pick, uh, but I think uh, all eyes will be in North London. What happens between Arsenal and Tottenham? Hopefully, it'll be a happy podcast uh, when we're doing the next one. But uh, I think uh, uh, for this podcast, uh, I think we'll have to end it there. We've been going on for what uh, almost uh, one and a half hours, so I think uh, let's give people a rest. Yeah. Uh, thank you, Suhail, for, for joining me once again. Um, thank you for having me. Always. It's a pleasure as always to have you here. Ahmed will be back for us for the next podcast where we'll hopefully be discussing disastrous Sunday for Yosemir and his men. Uh, we'll th- see you guys later. Kwaheri. 